Are CEOs afraid of love? In my research, I ask open-ended questions. And since episode one, I've hoped that men would talk about love or the importance of love because they obviously have love in their lives, but they have not. Is it because the definition of a man is power, strength, control, dominance, aggression, and action? And our cultures have delegated love and loving to women. And men, straight men particularly, more than anything else, dread being thought of as womanly. And to make sure this doesn't happen, we train our boys and men to kill their emotions, to be strong, not to be a sissy, as you've heard in previous episodes. Yet the deep human longing, as boys and men tell us, is for love, acceptance, appreciation, trust and safety. A sense of, I have your back. This is Deepa Narayan, social science researcher and host of the What's a Man podcast in which I explore masculinity based on interviews with over 250 educated middle and upper class boys and men in Delhi, Mumbai and other cities as well. My goal is simple, to open up the conversation about men and masculinity in a non-judgmental way with compassion and deep listening. Engage with us. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platforms, Hubhopper, Apple and Spotify. The word love is rarely used by men. Men seem to be afraid of love. It's always unsaid, it's implicit, it's assumed. There is a split between love and power. Love is for the family and power is for work. Power is manly Love is womanly. In fact, any softness is considered womanly, something to be avoided. Despite all the management rhetoric, most men feel safe only to take part of themselves to work. The head, the brain, the cerebral cortex, the thinking part of a person. But this split does not serve men or the workplace as human beings do not function in such compartmentalized ways. In this episode, I ask whether it's possible to bring both power and love into the modern workplace so that people and productivity thrive. What is power? Everyone has an intuitive understanding of power over others. As you heard in episode two, it's dominance, control, sole authority over others, and so it easily becomes abusive. This is external power power in the world. A second form of power is power with others. It's collaborative power. It's seen in work teams or anytime people come together to pool resources, whether it's money to help others or to plan a picnic with friends and family. It's about belonging, connection, trust and feeling safe with each other. A third form of power is inner power, an inner sense of self-worth, an inner sense of security and confidence. It is this inner superpower that enables people to share power in the world and to engage with others with confidence and openness. 
a family or a work environment that creates psychological safety where the least powerful feel safe to speak up without fear of ridicule or rejection is critical for love and for human beings to flourish if you don't take love to work what is left is power and fear in this episode i turn to one man one workspace not because either he or the work environment is perfect but because it is one example of power passion and love coming together in the workplace in one particular way what's a man masculinity podcast in india by deepa narayan Our partners are Hubhopper, the gender lab who work with adolescent boys and girls on gender awareness, chip circles, safe spaces for conversation and youth ki awaaz, the largest online platform for youth voices. This podcast is supported by the American Center New Delhi. The opinions presented in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the American Center or the US government. This music is important. You're listening to or not at all. It is a song from the soundtrack called Reborn from the first heavy metal band in India called Brahma created about 20 years ago and the lead vocalist with the band is Devraj Sanyal, my one and only guest today. Devraj was able to bring his love of music to the business of music. Today Devraj Sanyal is the managing director and CEO of the Universal Music Group and EMI Music. He's also the co-founder of Mass Appeal India, the first ever global imprint for indigenous hip hop in a joint venture with Mass Appeal USA and co-founded by the legendary hip hop artist Nas and founder and CEO of Peter Bittenbender. His passion for his music, for his band, earned him the moniker Heavy Metal CEO. Welcome, Dave Raj. So delighted that you've been able to join me today for this episode of What's a Man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm just thrilled. So I start by asking a very simple question for all my guests. What are the first three words that come to you when you think of yourself as a man? Okay, so <laughs> kind... kind kind for sure the one of my critical uh things i think um i think i'm a futurist so whatever whatever goes with it i like to think i like to think a lot ahead i work for 2023 and 24 and not for today and i don't know i'm i'm, I'm a very stand up guy so whatever you think that qualifies as a word whether it's honest whether it's transparent what you see is what you get um stand up futurist and and kind wonderful and when you think of power what is the first image that comes to you when you think of power or a powerful man i don't have a single image i have two two images one is a really distorted horrible image of power the way i see it being misused every day all across the world yeah. which deeply deeply upsets me you think two things how do i benefit at somebody else's cost i don't care whose cost how do i benefit and uh, i don't care who i'm stepping on when i'm powerful 
I just don't look below. I don't care who I'm crushing. I don't care whose dreams I'm killing. I don't care of the future I could be murdering. So unfortunately, when I hear power, that's all I really think about. I don't think about the good things. But I do think, I do think of 50,000 people, 50,000 children being educated or villages where women are being protected. Uh, when I think of power and I think of what good power could do that, could do. I mean, just simple power of a little bit of money can shape 200 kids every day in a slum. That is power. Power doesn't have to be absolute. Power doesn't have to be governmental. Power is just the ability to shape shift things a little at a time, which the sum of many of those which eventually yield in the change you want to see. So to me, power is a very fragmented, tiny little dollop of goodness that uh, when turned on the right way can actually change the world one little piece at a time. Beautiful. So you're really talking about at least two forms of power, Devraj. First, you talk about power over others, and you're seeing it as abuse, and you see it abused and misabused all around you. Unfortunately, in our study, we also found that boys and men have internalized this notion of power as power over, power as force over others, power to get their goals met So that's one form of power, but you also talk about another kind of power, which is power with others, collaborating with others to do good, to give hope and opportunity to young people, for example. And in your case, it's not surprising that it's through music. Could you talk about your Dharvi project? My tagline is music for social change. So I have this incredible uh, CSR thing that we founded now about seven years ago uh, with my partner who regrettably died. My One of my closest friends from college, a guy called Sabir Bangara, ran a company called QQ. So it was A.R. Rahman, Shekhar Kapoor, Samir and me. We started this incredible, I don't want to call it a charity. It was more of a, more of a, a foundation school uh, within Dharavi, which is obviously, as you know, the biggest slum on the planet. Uh, it's a school for hip-hop. And it's uh, it's called the Dharavi Dream Project. And it's incredible from two people in a really tiny room to 200 students now completely online because of the pandemic who are learning and earning money and doing shows and, you know, and doing everything from hip-hop writing to hip-hop singing to uh, dancing. to and, and we've had, like, the world of people come to this incredibly tiny school from Susan Wojcicki, who's the CEO of YouTube, to, you know, Lior, to Facebook, to Google. I mean, Google's given us money. Pepsi gives us money. It's just a... But it's incredibly joyous to see kids who would normally go down the road of drugs and prostitution and all of that actually have an alternate career. I remember a few years ago when the first time we gave them some checks, like small checks, 10, 20, 30,000 rupees. This track, Kisi Se Kam Nahi by Dolly TDDP came out of the Dharvi project. It was like a momentous occasion in Dharavi because they didn't have bank accounts to take the checks in. So we first had to, we said, okay, we'll delay it for a while. We'll then first create bank accounts for these people so that we can give them checks, you know. So I do I do understand um, what you're trying to do. And I do believe, um, you know, change change happens if a bunch of people get together and actually want to do something about it. You know, it's very easy to 
change is going to come when people like you and me and a few thousand and a million other people actually have the same common vision to do something about it so exactly <laughs> So, if you were to look back in at your life and your life, what did you learn as a young boy in terms of? power in terms of love in terms of values in life or what made you think back in your life starting from you know maybe 5 years old onwards you know i don't know who to attribute to the things i've learned in my life but the few things that i learned which i am very proud of and i teach my kids and i teach my colleagues and i teach my mentees all over the world is i know how to love unconditionally and unabashedly that's the first thing i learned wow I can truly I'm capable of love that will make you cry. You know, I will if you're my friend and as you're somebody I care about, I will do stuff that will shock you and your family and your neighbors and you'll be like really what the hell. Right? So I'm capable of unabashed, unconditional, truly epic proportions of love. That I learned very very young how to do. Um I learned It's beautiful. Yeah, I learned that if you want respect There are two things you have to do. You have to earn it. It doesn't come for free, and you have to give it. And you have to give it in. And I say this a lot of times. If you want one out of ten respect, you have to give nine out of ten respect out for you to get one out of ten. So if you want five out of ten, you have to give fifty out of ten respect. So you have to give a lot to get a little. And the third thing I learned, which is the foundation of my life. You know, I've never thought of myself as a man ever, or a woman, or you know, I have all sides. I mean, I said the word. I, I was metrosexual twenty years ago before anyone knew what the goddamn word meant. But um, yeah, it is true. Um, I am deeply satisfied with what I have. However little, however much, I learned very, very, very early. Be one hundred percent satisfied with what you have, and be happy with what you have. and thank your god every single day or a lot of bad things come as well but for people like us who are so positively in tune with the universe i truly believe the universe is you know harmonic plane and mine are quite quite in the quite in sort of consonance and so i say thank you to the people around me because whoever you are is a sum of what the other people around you allow you to be It's dangerous to think we've achieved anything alone. We always stand on the efforts and the space created by others. Great. I want to turn now to your family life because of course it's so important to who we become. Can you share about your family? Tell me about your family. What was your family like? I've had a bit of a strange family life. My father had one job in his life he he retired now worked for the tatas for 46 years he's a scientist brave well known scientist i mean one of the people who created the first defense systems in the country president's medal winner but he and i really we weren't ever <laughs> eye to eye uh, my mother my mother was i think more uh, 
the grounded human being says that dude this kid is not going to be your iit kind of you know fellow at all his his ambitions are far bigger than you know the sum of all our family's lives and i think she called that really early um when i had my own family my first marriage busted in a few years i have a lovely 23 year old son from that marriage and then i remarried my best friend and uh, we have an incredibly happy marriage for the last 19 years and i have a 15 year old daughter from that marriage mm-hmm. so i'm not your poster boy of because i learned great things uh, i could you know have the poster boy life no i didn't i made i made my own mistakes and um, but like i said earlier i learned I learned from every mistake I've made Deepa I've learned and I swore to myself that if I made a mistake I would never ever repeat that mistake right. and it's it sounds very poetic to say it doesn't work like that but you try at least the intent is very genuine to not try and repeat a mistake we have an ongoing family joke in our family I learned from my mistakes and I know how to repeat it perfectly Yeah, that's 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 lovely. Now I know in your um, youth you had turning points in college when you discovered your love for music. Can you talk a bit about mm-hmm. that? And again, how did you that you had an astonishing career, and how did this the music, the passion of music, and uh, your love for change, and how did it all come together? Because the stereotype is of the starving artist. Oh, I'm I'm absolutely not. I'm incredibly well fed as you can see. I like my food. But you know in in school uh, you had the 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 really bright kids and you had the really I won't say not bright but the others. Mm-hmm. I belonged to the others. If I if I if I put my mind on something exactly yeah I'll ace it, right? Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to. Mm-hmm. I wanted to figure out I think a lot of people take a lot of time to figure out what they want to do in their lives. I short-circuited that path a little bit because I knew a little early. Kids also went to my school mm-hmm. and they were like, "Man, IIT, I double IIT, IIT, IIM, MIT. Psh, means you have to study and then study for some 20 years and not have a life and Jesus, no way." I said, "Yeah." So, I started gravitating towards everything else. So, I woke up one day in the 6th standard and you know my music teacher who was also my french teacher miss frank god bless her. i mean i she's one of the people who she was she's my christ she's the one who opened this wonderful door and this frank still is alive and we speak once in a while and she said you know all you must uh, we are having music competition who who can sing so i got up never sung a day in my life picked up you know in, in school and i sang some ave maria sharia something that i knew and she said hey, very good you come in that was your audition she said you come in audition performally auditioned one became a singer I'll be honest with you. I am not a gifted singer. Okay, I am a, I am a gifted human being. I'm not a gifted singer. I'm not a gifted guitar player. I'm a gifted nothing. I'm just a, I'm just a good communicator. Let's put it like that. I know how to get through better than a gifted singer. I know how to get through better than a uh, the best guitar player. I have the ability to cut across with my message. It doesn't matter. Some people have different gifts, and right? I think that that's been my gift. By this time, everyone was like, "Dude, this guy is going to be like a failure, wasteful." In my head, I'm like, "Ah." Uh-uh. you guys are going to be oily head little schmucks earning no money for the rest of your life doing what you want albeit no problem yay good for you i'm going to knock it out of the park and that was very presumptuous and bratty of me to think that that early but i said okay made my first band in college in fact they were here in this very room a few days ago 
after like 30 years we were together in one room or 30 well, 31 years and started this band and it was really really cool and uh, we were playing what you call the college circuit so you played Sophia's college was the main one right It was a place with 800 women, no boys, with a boy band. That was the dream. We did all of that. It was wonderful. It was beautiful. I mean, you know, women coming and throwing roses. I mean, that was it. We thought that, oh my God, we achieved, like, you know, someone gave me the goddamn Grammys. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and we were good-looking young lads and, you know, with our guitars and all that, you know, sort of distant dreams. But um, in, especially in this one, while I was still doing college, and I was all, I'd already begun to work, and I'll tell you that separately. Okay. That was the birth of Brahma. We were the first generation of heavy metal band. And that's how Brahma was born. You know, I did whatever I had to do, but... Um, in that journey, I knew music was core to my being. I loved music. I was a bit, I don't want to say addict because there's a negative connotation to that, but I don't think there's been a single day in my life when I haven't heard 10 hours of music, if not 20. I yeah. wake up with music, I sleep with music, I work with music, I eat with music. It's it's literally very ethereally connected to, to my being. Yeah, like genuinely and, and at, at a higher spiritual plane. And whether it's jazz or metal or pop or, you know, gazelles or whatever the hell it is, right? And the one thing I was very clear about is that I knew music wasn't going to make me too much money, though we did make a lot of money in the early years. So I always wanted a serious career. So I had that going on the side as well. By the time I, I graduated from college and I'd already done two, three years of event work and I had my own little company doing a bunch of stuff. Dave Raj's side hustles in college in event management gave him marketable skills at a very early age and his first big job in marketing. L needed a marketing and advertising manager and that became my first real job. You know, this lady called Nija Shah who was a publisher then um, said, yeah, dude. So I, I, I went for the interview with, with really long hair and she said, I love you. You look like somebody who can sell ice to an igloo. You are the boy, but I have one problem only. And it was money. It was serious money. And I'm like, and for me back then, I'm like, oh, really? Wow. And she said, you have to get rid of your, you have to cut your hair. So I said, okay. I was very serious about the job, so I wanted it. So I've never had long hair after that. So with a broken heart, a lot of dreams, and, uh, you know, um, I wanted to conquer the world. I, I worked with L. Then I worked with one of L's clients called Backrose, which was this big color cosmetic company. So I was in the fashion kind of world. And then I did 20 years in media and entertainment. So I joined from there. By this time, I was already doing very, very well. I was, I was still young. I mean, I became, I became CEO at 27. Right. So, uh, so I, I, I was, and I'm a spectacularly hard worker. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm a spectacularly hard worker. I'm very clear about what I want. I know how to go and get it. I'm extremely ambitious. Um, so, uh, and then I spent my last two decades, my last 20 years, 10 in Percept and 10 in Universal. So I finished 10 years in Universal now. So Universal really allowed you to bring your passion in music and to make it into a career. I told I told my headhunter years ago uh, that uh, so when you have a job that you will allow me to combine management understanding and and PNL running and you know organizational uh, running with 
my core passion the music that would be my dream job and uh, i actually took a a pretty large haircut to join universal actually that we cut just for me on yes like a pretty like a pretty pretty serious uh, pretty serious shave which of course they immediately corrected very soon but uh, that's how that's how uh, passionate i was about the fact that i wanted to be in this music business and um, 10 years has been Yeah. the most incredibly fulfilling years of my life because it's not that the 10 years before was ever great it was all good but it's just that you know as a musician and i and i wrote this on a post yesterday most musicians are very selfish people for themselves they want their music to flourish they want their music to go to people and i have not really found too many people who get greater joy in other people's music doing better than their own Devraj couldn't travel 20 nights a month with his band and be at work at Universal so he quit and focused on promoting other musicians so i spent every fiber of my being every moment of my time all the considerable resources that i bring to the table to achieve one thing to make musicians be the best they can and eventually my eventual goal is to take us and our music and our brand of music and our language of music you know yeah to the whole world yeah. we've already begun doing that a lot right. and we've come a very long way but i mean i've kept my really expensive tux to wear when i walked out with an indian artist down sable center you know to 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 the grammys to at least be nominated for a grammy with an artist of indian origin that is my that is my current dream yeah. and i'm hoping i won't have to wait too long at the rate we're going music executives need a soul and heart more than they need their brain they need their brain it's very important they need their calculating ability they need their risk taking all of that all of that not understanding but the first thing you need i mean if you're in a manufacturing business you don't need it if you're in you know pharma and fmcg you probably don't need that so but in music if you don't have this don't be in it i think you need it in every business so i think i i think you do but in a creative business you need it a lot you more you need it even more yeah you know as 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 a writer foundation you need it right. as as a writer if you didn't have a soul empathy kindness and compassion you'd be a shit writer and that's the truth yeah yeah do you know what i'm saying same way same way in creative businesses you 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 got to have a soul and you got to have empathy you to understand that you're dealing with the dreams of people you're not dealing with a product of a person this is a dream it's a, it's it's very different Yeah. you know yeah i mean you strike me as a very passionate guy and a very mm. clear guy who knows what he wants and is willing to go for it oh yeah yeah passion that, passion clarity passion clarity are, okay. yeah 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 absolutely clarity clarity of thought clarity of purpose and again you know clarity comes in two pieces most people the ones who have clarity of thought don't have clarity of purpose and the ones who have clarity of purpose don't have clarity of thought Mm-hmm. it's very important to have both both exactly you have Because to know you, you can't you, you you need to know where you want to go to know how you want to go to where you need to go is important right yeah. so yeah. yeah so and and passion look if you don't have passion you can't do anything let's face yeah. it man you can't be dowdy i tell everyone i go to play every day at my workplace let me tell you my room is a playground okay mm-hmm. i've got a drum kit a grand piano and five guitars in my room in my in my room where i sit in your office in my office in my own office and of course there are 6 million books and other fun things and awards and great shit but i have a drum kit a grand piano and five guitars and two amps in my office okay. i go to play it's a playground it's it's not work right so i i think it's a wonderful framing it's sort of everyone's dreams that 
work and play not be two separate things but come together it's just like love and power are become two separate things right absolutely power at work and it's love for home but i think what you've been talking about from right from the beginning is these two things go together so you were talking about all these values in terms of empathy in terms of love in terms of kindness compassion how do you how do you structure how do you create a workspace that that becomes the soul of the workplace as well in addition to as you were talking earlier making business it's it's very easy i have always believed in this i know to be the truth is the ceo is the guy who sets the culture code for the company okay what you see yeah is is the culture of my company there is insane amounts of respect for women insane amounts of respect for women and let me tell you there aren't so many women in music right i was going to just say that it is it is a it is a man dominated horrible okay so the first thing i did is i said my leadership has to be half and half Good forget point. the rest of the organization yeah but out of these seven deepa head of brands harvard girl outstandingly bright head of legal woman mm-hmm. head of commerce and and uh, data analytics woman so i have three women and three men apart from the coo who's who's not really uh, i mean he's second layer of leadership so if you have at your leadership level if you can make it so that you are half and half that itself sets a tone because the three women have many men reporting to them so you set the tone right at the top we remind people all the time that respect and it's not for women respect in general is the rule respect for the peon who brings you the coffee has to be equal to the respect for the lady who you talk to in a respectful tone is respect for the woman who's the boss who talks to his subordinate who's a man so my culture code is respect and in big capital bloody steel letters if anyone even remotely tries to not puncture but even prick it that person has no no place in our organization zero zero tolerance isn't fired on behave this issue oh hell yeah hell yeah so the one thing which is above the two things that i have a a morbid problem with mm-hmm. respect for people and integrity capability good phenomenal star hard work superstar all that is fine they are replaceable they are gettable they are whateverable integrity and respect are just either you have it in 100% if you have 99% you have no place in my organization that i am 100% clear about so these are the two principles on which my company is built and i'm running it for 10 years with these principles and everyone seems to love it and that you know as a result of that deepak so much comes i mean like how, how do you how do you define care Devraj explains what care means to him during the lockdown with everyone working from home going that extra mile to get to know his lower level workers as well this is my study mm-hmm. this is my space no one comes here without my permission i have a hardwired super expensive imac and i can do what the hell i want mm-hmm. now you think about the other people who are junior and mid junior 
They're sitting in a room, sharing a room with probably the kid who's going to school, their mother who's cutting uh, carrots on one side, husband who's also trying to keep his job in a really tight economy all around. And people are, people don't live in large mansions and homes. Yeah. you know. So care and empathy comes from the fact that you give a shit enough to be in touch with your people every day and not on Zoom calls. We have, a, we have what we call, now famously called, the lunchtime hang call. What is the lunchtime hang call? Between 1 and 1.15 every single day, five days a week, which is now in day 300 and something. Sorry, because we have two months left. I'll call on Zoom. I'll add my whole whole lot of people, which is a lot of people. It's like four pages worth of people. And uh, we just talk every single day. We're not allowed to discuss COVID, which we absolutely do. We can't stay away from discussing it. But we, we aren't allowed to talk about work. Because you have 10 hours and 15 hours a day to discuss that. That's the time when you don't, when you don't know the last two days I've been snowed under and I've literally had lunch and, and, and done calls and put my video off. So my Wilma, who you've been coordinating with, she's like, dude, but why aren't you calling? Everyone's missing you, missing your lunchtime calls. Now that is empathy and care at a level, which is not textbook, mm-hmm. but they know that the guy who runs the company and the leadership along with it, they care deeply to know what the hell is going on. It has brought us closer to a level, which I did not expect. Yeah. I know I knew my main guy's wife's name. I didn't know their children's names, which school they go to. And especially the ones genuinely junior, you know, my data entity operators and people, people who say, oh, they're there somewhere, they hang their furniture. No, 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 no. We know everything about them. Yeah. Like I now can predict which t-shirt he'll wear on which day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Now that is that cannot be in a culture code book. No, no. You yeah. must have empathy wired into your heart and your soul to be able to be that leader who says every single day and remind them every single day and not the leader who say, oh, today we have done a call. Now after two months, we'll call, oh, how are you? No, no, no. Every single day, you check how they are because they may be going through stuff that you don't know about, yeah. which will affect their work, which will affect their life. Forget work, man. Work will come and go, right? It might affect them as human beings because let's face it, this pandemic has not been kind to many people. Yeah. Being open, caring, and loving does not mean agreement. Debates are encouraged, often heated, and sometimes loud. Challenges are welcomed. Clearly, Devraj has created a workspace in which psychological safety and high levels of trust flourish. You know, like my women leaders, oh my God, we fight. So that's the culture that we've built, that you, we challenge each other. We yell and scream at each other when we don't agree. Like my head of brands and me, it's a famous thing. We go for each other's jugular. <laughs> my logic is simple. I am CEO of this company. I think I might be because I know a little more than you. However, if you have a point of view, which I will accept with great and doesn't matter what gender, sex, nothing or level. If it is better than mine, I will accept it and say we will do it that way. Other than that, I have chairman's call. Which is true. I'm chairman CEO. I have the call to take the, but I'm always willing to listen. I am dying for people to challenge me every day. I'm dying for other points of view. I'm dying for people to say, I know this better than you. And I'll tell you the, the, the real quality of a true leader is somebody who only hires people better than him. Right. I can guarantee you, I hire people better than me. Always. If you're mediocre, I will not hire you. But then also to be able to listen to them and be challenged by them and debate and argue with them. People always say this, this is a part of the business jargon, right? But to actually then you utilize them is a different story. 
but if you want to grow you want to succeed you have to utilize them no yeah. you're an idiot leader if you think that just by hiring smarter people than you because it looks good and you keep them as dummies in a locked in a cabin yeah. you're going to achieve the reason of why you hired them i hired them so that i can grow faster better quicker smarter why in god's name would i box them up and say okay okay now you are three women three men chalo chalo let's go i want to ask you a different question devraj how did you think of yourself or what did you think of yourself when you were young how did you think about your future i knew i was i knew i was going to be famous i knew i was going to be rich i knew i was going to be very successful so how did you know that and where did this inner sense of confidence come from this sense of inner security power and belief in yourself because ultimately this inner power fuels everything else in what you do and how you behave in the world with others right because if you don't have this inner superpower you become a bully and what you were talking about earlier you become abusive you abuse your external power you shrink others not expand others i have no idea i'm the son of two lower middle class bengali people lower middle class bengali in english basically means yeah. self doubt maybe i got switched maybe i got switched in the hospital i don't know <laughs> i have no idea did you feel loved at home i've had very enormous amounts of love yeah see i believe love is a love is an 80 20 phenomena if you want to be a successful son successful ceo successful friend brother partner whatever 80% should be huge love 20% should be huge hate that's the balance in my head so if you want to be a incredibly successful ceo you need 80% of great love your employees love you industry loves you people love you and 20% should want to stab the crap out of you like they should want to put acid on you every day <laughs> if you don't have that if you don't have that combination no yeah. you will never be truly successful the ones who have 100% love and 100% hate eh, they're going nowhere yeah it's okay. same 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 in a relationship if you think you're going to be in a husband wife relationship everything is love 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 that happens in story books that happens in fairy tales does not happen in real life right i think what you're saying in terms of uh, love and strife it's you can also think about it in terms of love and power that love without power is anemic and power without love is abusive absolutely absolutely yeah. one i couldn't agree with that phrase i'm sure you wrote it uh, no, more than more than or who did that and what gets an abbreviation but i think it's such a powerful phrasing that you can think in terms of male female relationships you can think about yourself you can think about the world and absolutely. what's happening in the world absolutely that you have to and have you know, it should be mm-hmm. and it should be interchangeable right for example in uh, the traditional gender divide is that love has been outsourced to women and power to men and so the struggle true. is how do we it is true it is true true and true I think the obvious last obvious question to ask you to actually too is how do you with all your passion your work your intensity your music your uh opening up of dreams for uh, dharvi how do you keep any balance or how do you still be with your family balance is a constant women get asked all the time i've been asked this for the last 15 years let me tell you yeah. I've been asked this a lot. To me, balance is a constant state of being. Okay, I went for a walk with my wife early in the morning. Mm-hmm. I hung with my daughter. I woke her up and I hung with my daughter for fifteen minutes before she started online school. And now I'm gone. Now I'll see them straight for dinner. 
mm-hmm. on an average day in those one hour, half an hour at dinner it's it's my time with my family so i will give everything when i'm at work and i know what i have to do to make it count because every minute you waste is a minute that's gone away it's never coming back mm-hmm. okay i have learned this the hard way that people disappear and die and dreams are left unfulfilled the tarabi project like i was telling you was 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 created by my my oldest closest friend of 31 years we went to college together one day he just didn't come back he was on a bike ride and iron rod went through his face and he just died instantly on the spot leaving a family and breaking my heart mm-hmm. and it's still broken it'll never it'll never get fixed mm-hmm. you know i think about him every day i talk about him every day and it's horrible i shouldn't i should now get over it it's it's going to be a year soon but i i can't get over it Yeah. uh but i've also known the fragility of life through everything like that i see mm-hmm. so whatever you have make it bloody count yeah every relationship put that little extra tell people you love them give more than you need yeah you know because we always expect ki what can we get in return no this one idiot thing people haven't understood give without questioning you will get a lot more than you need yeah Beautiful. What a what a joy to talk to you. I didn't know what to expect, but it's. Uh, I think the message on love. I hope it was love, okay. It's fantastic. I think. <laughs> the, I think the message on love is the most important message from you because I think at work, particularly, and particularly men who are highly successful and and also. totally secure in their masculinity in in being men and being people and being human beings you don't hear people people are too afraid to talk about love in the work environment yeah right or openly like i i tell i tell everyone you ask any of my people mm-hmm. i love i love like a fiend i can drown you in my love yeah i will be that person in your life when you need me most or you need me least but i'll be there i'm that unshakable unbreakable spine that will envelope your life and help you to wherever because i understood the long time if you succeed i'll succeed if you do well i'll do well not everything is altruistic in the world deepa right i don't see age or ca- color or caste or gender or creed who gives a crap you are a job profile wrapped up in a human being both need to be good you need to be a good human being first and you need to be great at your job if you have that combination i'm your guy fail no problem I am your guy. I'll fund you, stand behind you. To be a man is to be powerful. To be strong, dominant, muscular, invincible, to show no weakness. This is still the dominant definition of manhood as we discussed in episode 1. And in this definition, love is an outsider. This is toxic masculinity. And when workplaces are designed primarily around power over people there is no room for love or such softness is dismissed as weakness In this great covid disruption imagine designing a fearless workspace in which love and power come together If there's any superpower it's inner power a deep inner sense of security and confidence that allows people to feel generous love share power and engage with others with openness and integrity without becoming a bully or tyrant Devraj's way of exercising power and love in life and at work is unique to him his masculinity embraces both power and love 
the masculine and feminine that we've been discussing since the start of this series, especially in episode one. And it is this combination that enables him to create psychological safety at work where women and men trust and feel safe to argue, debate and disagree without fear. Dev Raj is so in love with life that he's capable, as he says, of unabashed, unconditional, truly epic proportions of love and talk about it with pride as strength. I love the contrast between us. His is a loud in your face confidence. Mine is quieter, inner security and power. It just looks different. It's the same. Both of us are fueled by a deep inner faith in something bigger than ourselves. We acknowledge our failures, our mistakes. We apologize and start over. We listen. I bet though I'm a better listener. We spent so much time at work that imagine how love will spill over in homes if men and all human beings return home after a day at work feeling loved, appreciated and empowered, energized rather than feeling anxious, ashamed or angry. Join me in breaking open the conversations around love and power at work, around the emotional climate of psychological safety. Imagine a workplace without fear. Do discuss, imagine, in your homes, schools, colleges, workplaces and play spaces. Ask yourself and others this question or one of these questions. On a scale of 1 to 10, how much fear do you feel at work, with 1 being fearful and 10 being totally fearless? On a scale of 1 to 10, how loved and appreciated do you feel at work, with 1 being totally disrespected and 10 being totally loved and appreciated? If you employ others, how would you rate yourself on creating psychological safety, a positive emotional climate in your workspace? And share with each other and with us. In our next episode next week, we talk about how schools shrink boys and perpetuate gender stereotypes rather than expand boys' definitions of masculinity. Come and listen to what we've learned from our 250 interviews. We ask the question, is it possible to change? Come and listen to Rohini Nilakhani, a philanthropist and funder of boys and men's programs, and to a co-founder of Gender Lab, one school intervention that breaks down gender stereotypes about boys. This is Deepa Narayan. Join me in slow conversation. Listen deeply. Share your stories with others and us. Do subscribe to our channel on Hubhopper, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts or wherever you are currently listening. Our website is whatsaman.com. You can reach Dr. Deepa Narayan at DeepaVOP on Twitter and Instagram. This podcast is generously supported by a grant from the American Center New Delhi. The opinions, findings and conclusions stated are those of What's a Man, Masculinity in India and do not necessarily reflect those of the United States Department of State. Our partners are Hub Hopper, the Gender Lab, who work with adolescent boys and girls on gender awareness. 
चुप सर्कल्स सेफ स्पेसिस फॉर कॉन्वर्सेशन एंड यूथ की आवाज द लार्जेस्ट ऑनलाइन प्लेटफॉर्म फॉर यूथ वॉइसेज